0: So, let's start with this. What is the voice? We looked at this last week. What is the voice of God when we talk about this? And we, we had kind of a simple, my best effort to come up with a definition, and here it is. The voice of God when we talk about that is communication that comes to your innermost being from your creator that brings clarity, peace, and confidence in his will. So I want to differentiate because we uh, sometimes get confused about this. When we talk about hearing Jesus, we're not necessarily going to be hearing English words. It's not like the communication that you're hearing from me right now necessarily. It's not audible sound waves that go into your ear canal, into your you know that that whole system. It's a completely other different system. It's your spirit. Your innermost being, and communication comes, and it usually, it, you know, it's in because it brings peace. It bring, it can stretch you. I'm not saying it won't stretch you, but it, it brings peace, clarity, and confidence. When you open up your heart, there's a sense of confidence in as will. So, we've got certain uh, flows in the body of Christ that would uh, doctrinally say that Jesus does not speak today that you don't hear his voice, that the, I'm not even going to go into the argument, it's not even worth taking the time right now, but let me just, let me just say I think those same people will say things using different terminology referring to hearing him. They'll say things like this, I feel led, or the spirit impressed upon me, as Bob said on Wednesday, or... Um, I uh, I wrote a couple down. The Spirit impressed upon me. I I, I felt in prayer. Or God illuminated to me. All of that stuff is Jesus speaking through his Spirit. Make sense? And so if we feel as perhaps uh, you don't hear his voice, let me ask you to ask yourself the question right now, if that's the case, then what did Jesus mean when he said that? My sheep hear my voice. If it's not some kind of inner spiritual communication that comes from the divine, then what was he talking about? I want to purport this morning that hearing his voice is fundamental to walking out the new covenant life that God has given us. And it's your privilege to hear his voice. This isn't something that you graduate to. Like when you're really spiritual, when you're like, re- like, then you get to hear his voice. No, he's speaking now. It's not an issue of, is Jesus speaking to you? It's an issue of, are we listening? I, straight up, that is legitimately the case. He is speaking to you. He's speaking to all of us. I want to be a church that does well to hear what he's saying. Because how the heck are we going to walk in what he's calling us to do if we do not hearing him? So today, what we're going to look at is a little bit of recognizing his voice. We're going to look at a little bit about what his voice does. Kind of continue what we picked up last week on that. And then some practicals of how do we hear his voice. Ready to dig in? Awesome. I can. I appreciate the enthusiasm. Recognizing his voice. <laughs> uh, and Okay, yeah, and I, I don't need hype, just, just to be clear. I'm not, you don't need to cheer me on or anything like that, but, but we do, we need to be enthusiastic about what he does as we're gathered together. So, recognizing his voice, first thing that I want to say on that is that just like we heard from these two wonderful ladies this morning, Kind of uh, Rebecca kind of saying, well, it's short. And, and, you know, when I talked to Sharon earlier before the church service, He's like, well, I guess it's, it's going to help somebody. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, Sharon needs to help you first. Uh, so we tend to feel as though that because it's not some amazing fire from heaven, you know, angel Gabriel coming and appearing to you and speaking to you because you didn't have an open vision of Jesus walking into your room, or something like that. We think that it's not a big deal. And I want to tell you that most of the time that Jesus speaks to you, it's going to feel very subtle and it's easy to to dismiss. Catch that, please. Catch that. Cuz as we're going through this journey as a church and we're doing this kind of journaling and we're writing down the things that God's saying, I want you to you you may easily think, "Oh, that, don't even think to write it down." I'm telling you, so often, what God is saying is just this subtle thing. Now, there's this prophet named Elijah, and he liked big stuff. And the guy that was like a spiritual son, he even liked bigger stuff. They were, they liked, they, they, they called fire down from heaven. Elijah, you know, slew, what was it, 250 prophets of Baal? Was it 250? I don't know how many it was. It was, it was, a, it was a whole bunch. More maybe. And, uh, And right after that, Jezebel, the wicked queen, uh, wife of King Ahab, kind of like sends people to go kill him and he runs out into hiding. Some of you know the story. And as he's out there, this prophet who's used to like these big things, he's he's used to like calling fire down from heaven onto a sacrifice that wasn't even lit and to burn the sacrifice and it was like doused in water and, and he called fire down from heaven. That's the kind of stuff that this guy did. He liked the big, right? And then he goes into hiding, and it says in First 1 Kings 19.11, while he was in hiding, then he, God, said, go out. He said this to Elijah. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. You notice it's big and powerful, right? This is what Elijah's used to. This is what God is like in terms of Elijah. But listen to the rest of this verse. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. That's big and powerful, right? Kind of noticeable. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. The original original Hebrew would actually actually say a whisper small voice. It was just a faint little thing. I hope you're pick, keep picking up on this. When you're in your Bible study, when you're, when you're in that place of wanting to hear God for this week and for this morning, it may come in a very still whisper, small voice that you could almost dismiss. And I th- I'm, I'm afraid many times we do. And uh, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And if you go on to read the rest of that story, God then began to unveil bigger things when he first responded to the still, small voice. I would say, uh, to use Sharon as an example, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, Sharon, but, th- but thank you for, for, for being uh, a-, a champion in our cause here. Sharon feels Heath. Now how kind of unspiritual is this? You know God cares that God is the one who wired Sharon to love animals and, and, and Heath is coming and what did she do? She didn't simply dismiss it. She took the next step to find if it was in the Bible and it wasn't. Then she went to Google and Google led her to a scripture that did speak into something that was relevant to her life. You know what she should, can do at that point? Talk back to God about what he said. Now, not about Heath, about the scripture from Jeremiah that spoke about not being like the heathen nations who are doing this, this, and this, and that, that spoke to her heart. Do you following? It's in responding to that still small voice. Don't dismiss it, write it down and talk to him about it. It oftentimes will lead you to more that god wants to say so what happens when we hear his voice what does his voice do we looked at four things last week one that it lifts your spirit another is that it feels good another is that the voice of god shows you next steps how many of you need to see next steps by the way yeah Uh he doesn't necessarily I love that. The word his his word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. That's next step language. It's not we don't know all the steps from here to his return or here to the end of our life. We don't know that, but his word will show us what we need to know this week. This month. You follow. So it'll show you some next steps. And then we looked at from Matthew 16 how the word, the voice, is what causes us to become who we're called to be. Today we're gonna look at three other things real quick. The first is what does the word of God do? It rescues you. His voice rescues you. Now when I say the word of God, I'm using that... I want to define what I mean. I'm talking about that. Yes, we hear God through the scripture. But Bible reading in and of itself does not necessarily mean that. Jesus himself said, you search the scriptures thinking that in them that you have life... And these are they which testify of me, and you won't come to me that you might have life. The scripture is simply to bring us into encounter with Jesus, who is the living word. And we hear his voice, not read his scripture. Scripture is a, is a vehicle to connect us with the voice of our Father so that we receive divine communication. hope that makes sense. And so, what does it do? It rescues you. Hearing his voice will rescue you. In other words, you, with all due respect, may likely go marching down a path that brings bad things and destruction into your life. And the word, the thing that he's speaking to you today, you don't maybe know, but it could be averting you from coming danger. He does it all the time. In 2009, my family moved to South Africa from the States. Very few people were saying, hey, good idea. Move to a developing world nation. That sounds like a good next step for you. Move your, your what, one and four-year-old into the, one of the most highest uh, uh, um, uh, homicide per capita city in the world. Good idea, Paul. Responsible debt. 2009, we, we move into South Africa, Johannesburg, and it, it was like, because God had sent us, it was like a red carpet, like God just made so many wonderful things kind of transpire. We, we came into a partnership and connection with NCMI during that time, which is, has been such a fruitful thing in, in our lives, connection that we're still walking into today evermore. Um, and, uh, and just opened up these wonderful avenues of ministry and the fulfillment of things he had put in our heart for that nation that we never could have scripted, right? Aren't you glad that he did that? Reverse engineer that, go back to 2004. Winds were blowing through the church that we were a part of back in Georgia. There were, there were people dropping like flies, All of our friends our age were all moving somewhere else. Some for good reasons, a lot maybe not for great reasons. We were, there was a shaking going on in the church and it was not very good. And Minda and I held on during that time to what God had said. We knew he had led us to that church. Number one, we knew something about the government of God that we would not That we are accountable, we're submitted, we're not going to just launch out of this place in ministry uh, unilaterally on our own. We're going to be sent from this place with the authorization and backing of the elders that we're accountable to. We held on to that. The winds blew. It was that holding on that led to things opening up there in Georgia, which ultimately led to 2009, us moving to South Africa with the backing of God and God's, blessing are you following my point specifically is his word rescues you had we moved on our own volition during 2004 and, and 5 we probably would have gone down a path that would have been despairing and not god at the end of the day but it was because of clinging on the word he rescues you and saves you the same is true for you hearing god today this week Small, little, seemingly dismissible, still small voice can very likely be the thing that's going to avert jeopardy in, into the future. Second thing, the, hearing his voice sets you free. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes we f- discover that we have a sin nature. I, maybe I'm the only one in the room. But we discover we have a sin nature... And when the Holy Spirit begins to move and bring uh, the, the uh, leading us out of sinful patterns and, and self-destructive patterns and things that are bound to this world, we find ourselves having a stronghold. And we don't have the power in and of ourselves to break free from that. Um, I love Rebecca sharing about fear earlier. Uh, I would say most people have some kind of a grip on their lives of fear. And when you get a breakthrough, you still have more breakthrough in that particular area, probably. The Holy Spirit, through the voice of Jesus, sets you free. Free. You don't have to be bound. If if the Holy Spirit begins to give you a niggle that he's wanting to change something, it's not because he wants you to change something. He wants you to open up your heart to receive his voice, which is the thing that's going to set you free. As you obey his voice. If you don't believe me, Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, my voice. If you abide, which means to walk out, to live in. Doesn't mean to hear. Do you know hearing his voice does not set you free? If you abide, live in it. Live in what he said. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Isn't that amazing? Hit pause there. Which would suggest a disciple is not a disciple because we go to church. A disciple is a disciple because we hear him and we do it. That's what a disciple is. You are my disciples indeed. And so what happens as a result of that, Jesus? And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Doesn't that put hearing his voice this week into a whole other perspective? I'm telling you, your strongholds, the things that you are afraid of letting go and giving over to God, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Because as soon as you open your heart up to God, you open up a cavity for him to speak to you. The word, his voice, that gives you what you need to break free. When I, and many of you know this about me, but I'll share it again because it's my testimony. When I became a Christian, there were some strongholds in my life. One of which was that I, my whole idea of sexuality had been formed from the age of nine, hanging around my 13-year-old brother, you can already see how bad this setup is, and his friends, Hiding pornographic magazines under, under the bed. That was my introduction to sexuality. That's all I knew other than MTV, which we watched without, you know, some of you weren't allowed to watch Smurfs in the 80s. I had no such restrictions. My family watched lots of stuff together. I was exposed to much. And that was my, my all I knew of sexuality was what media and culture, uh, a very, very lustful era uh, 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 bombarded my thoughts with, when I became a Christian, I discovered my thought processes were inherently opposing to what I knew of God in, in his scripture. And I knew, I'm over here, God's over here, and I, I felt condemned. And I repented, and I cried, and I and I, I repented and repented, and I could not get breakthrough. And I remember, freshman year, college, praying, asking God, I've got to get help. So yeah, freshman year, sophomore year, and uh, very important that you know which one it is. It was the beginning of my sophomore year, and uh, <laughs> I've been hanging around you too long, Rodney. <laughs> and uh, and the Lord, and I, I I can still remember being in my still small voice. It's not like it was some. It was still small voice. Here it is, right on my bed, in um in my uh, apartment in college, and it, I just. It's like this penny dropped in my spirit. All those girls out there, he sees them as a father looking at a daughter. And I had a concept of my dad and my sister. I had a concept of seeing what fathers, good fathers, are with their, their daughters. And I knew it, he, they, it, they would be disgusted. A good dad would be disgusted to be looking at, if anyone to be looking at their, his daughter like a sex object. And that's all I needed. That one little, they're his daughters, boom, just a divine perspective, whispered into my spirit. What, I'm telling you, it was not like some, the presence of God enveloped me, and my, no, it was just a little, and I went into my, my day the next day, and I kind of remembered that, and I, I didn't just hear it, I abided in it. The temptation came, and I Remembered that it's. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look at her. That I'm not going to entertain those thoughts. I'm not going to. And then you know I slipped and fell and came back repentant. But but I had something in my arsenal. And over time, as I began to pull that out, and the arsenal grew, I realized one day, I am not bound by that anymore. Oh my gosh, I can remember feeling like there is no hope in this world that I will be free. His voice sets you free. I'm asking you to take whatever it is that you're battling with and to apply that to that. Thirdly, it gives you victory in spiritual battle. There are seasons where it's not necessarily just strongholds that we're facing, although that definitely applies, but sometimes we're just in a season of spiritual battle, and that is a real thing. In fact, I might go as far as to say, this season that I speak of is going to last your entire life. Until Jesus returns, there's something of a spiritual war happening at all times. There, there is ground to be taken in this earth on Jesus' behalf, and it will only happen through a people hearing him and doing what he says. We are in a spiritual battle at all times, and Can I say that this thing of hearing his voice is the only offensive weapon that we have? If you look at Ephesians chapter 6, I'm not going to read the whole list. If you grew up in church, like I did not, you probably had it on your children's uh, classroom, the spiritual armor. I don't know. And you probably did things like, Father Abraham had many sons. I didn't know. I didn't grow up with this stuff. Some of you know what, what, I don't even know anyways. And spiritual, spiritual armor is like a big thing for kids' ministry, I, I have noticed. It's a big deal because it's cool to the little boys, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but that, that we digress. That chapter, Ephesians 6, is where we get this idea of New Testament spiritual armor. And this is what Paul says there. And take, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Say Sword. It's a sword. It's an offensive weapon, right? Every single other armor of the Lord that is mentioned in that context is all defensive. Sword, only offensive one. It's the sword of the Spirit. What is that? Which is the Word of God. Therefore, if you have any hope of victory in the spiritual battle that all of us are walking in, it is going to be wielding the Word, the voice the things that he speaks to us, using that. I just gave the example of taking this revelation that I had that women, girls, they're all daughters of him. That one reality became a source of breakthrough and victory. It's a sword. What God is speaking to you this week, as you are uh, diligent with this journey that we're on, The things that he's speaking is going to become a sword that you wield. And that that sword, whatever God speaks, is going to give you a perspective that is higher than the earth perspective. And it's intended to renew your mind, to cause you to think and believe like God, as opposed to what you see in this natural plane. Three things I just want to say real quick, perhaps some of it is redundant, Speaking, believing what he says to you and speaking it as well has power in your spiritual battle here's the next thing <laughs> sometimes we we want to uh, we want to instruct God on what he needs to say to us because we know what we're walking through Can I say to us this morning, what you need to do is seek what is God saying to me? It may seem unrelated to what you're walking through. I assure you, if it's God, it is coming from a perspective that sees the whole canvas of your life. And it is what you need to be hearing now. And that is going to bring the breakthrough that you need. And then another thing I want to say is when God is leading you to battle spiritual giants, which he is in the habit of doing, remember that his voice is more powerful than those giants. And all you need to do is believe it in your heart and speak it with your mouth. Why I'm saying that is because some of us, if not all of us, are fearful of yielding and obeying and moving. What is God going to require me? What is his word going to lead me into doing? What faith steps are going to be required? I don't know if I'm open. And I want to say in the light right now, that is idiocy. What God is willing is God's will. You you follow what I'm saying? Who, Who of you would say, you know what? I don't want heaven here on earth. Whatever God speaks is the DNA of heaven coming to you. And so to resist that is to resist heaven. And so uh, if we can open up our hearts and realize how dumb that voice of fear that wants wants to reject what God's leading us into, it brings life and whatever he speaks is more than enough to see you through. So how do we hear Jesus' voice? Last week we looked at um, two things. Ask, seek, and knock. If you didn't get a chance to hear that message, I encourage you to go back onto our website and hear it. Ask, seek, and knock. And the second thing is using the scripture. Some of you prophetic types need to be careful now. Because I've, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about when I say the prophetic types, but... Some of the prophetic types love to hear the voice of God, but aren't very diligent with the scripture. And sometimes what they feel they're hearing gets a little skew. And we need the scripture to ground us. He will never say anything that is opposing or counter to the scripture. How do we know if it's opposing or counter to the scripture if we're not studying the scripture? So you use the scripture, but here's... um, Three more things I want to say to us in terms of how to hear Jesus' voice for this week. You can take this and apply this this week. The first is this. Read the scripture from hunger. Hunger. Not discipline. There is a discipline element to it. Let me me be straight up honest with you. But read the scripture from a place of hunger if I'm just going through the motions and, and, and thinking that God is somehow pleased that I just white-knuckled my way through another chapter of the Bible, uh, I, let me tell you, he's not. If you are pulling in from that place of what is it that you're hungry for, what is he stirring in your heart a hunger for more of, and to let that be the impetus that you're being driven into the Scripture, you're probably going to get more out of the Scripture when you've got faith attached to it. I'm looking for something. I'm on the mission. I'm searching for something. Uh, as opposed to just doing it purely through discipline. So as a random example, uh, a couple years ago, in fact, the, the Bible study that I was doing when God called our family to South Africa, I had chosen, I wanted to get a better connection of Jesus and, uh, the, and, and, and the things in the Old Testament that spoke of him. And so I, so I decided to go through all four Gospels, find every single place where an Old Testament scripture was referenced, study it there in the Gospel, go back, study it in the Old Testament, study the whole context, and I began to piece all sorts of stuff together of the greater picture of the Word of God. Does that make sense? I was hungry for it, and it illuminated. What are you hungry for today? What do you need to break through in? What what are you feeling God wanting to develop you in? Let that kind of lead you into what it is that you're studying in the Scripture. Maybe you don't know enough of the Scripture to even know where am I going to find that in the Scripture. That's cool. If you don't know something, can I suggest this? Start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because Jesus is the centerpiece of not just the Scripture, of all of eternity. We could never read the Gospels enough. Sit at his feet. Allow him to wipe the slate clean of all that we've known Christianity and church to be and just look at the face of the Son of God and let that be the, the light of our life. Right? Gospels, you say, okay, I'm not feeling the Gospels right now. Letters, apostolic Letters. Paul's letters, the epistles, whatever you want to call them—Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Peter, First and Second Peter, First, Second, and Third John—reads them. These are the guys who walked with Jesus, except for Paul, but he pretty much, anyways, he, hes authorized as somebody who saw the Lord uh, and and know him and had the ability to disciple us through what they said, right? And then and then after that, I would say check out the Psalms from the Old Testament. Let's give give the Old Testament some airplay. And then if you want to go into deeper stuff, I mean, obviously the Old Testament prophets have value. Book of Revelation has tremendous value. All that stuff. Make sense? Read the Scripture from hunger. Number two, pray the Scripture. Or pray, uh, uh, let's say this, pray what his voice is saying to you through the Scripture. I would say this, as you're going through this journey, and if you don't know, we're going as a church a three-week journey. Today is day seven of, of 21 days. All of us are, are, have a journal. We're blocking off time to study and to seek the word of God to get into that place of hearing him. And as you're doing that, when you read the scripture, make sure you ask the Lord, based on what I just read, Lord, what are you saying? What is your will, your revealed will, through what I just read? Sharon could have, based on what she said, it could be the revealed will that God doesn't want me to necessarily have to know everything about all my future steps, but to trust him for today. That's what she could write down. And you know what she could do after she writes that down? She could say it to God. To recognize, don't just write it down, but say, God... I don't want anymore to yield my heart to this quest of wanting to know all of the steps. I know I'm not going to know, but I am going to trust you. And so I want to trust you. Are you following what I'm saying? That's what it looks like. We said, I don't know if it was last week or Wednesday or whatever, but many of you know the feeling when you're talking to somebody and you said something important and the response they gave you is just to go on with talking about whatever they want to talk about. And you're sitting there nodding and smiling, but you're like, dude, you even hear what I just said. Can you acknowledge it? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? How how much does God feel that way with you? You spend time with God, you look at the Bible, he's speaking to you, and you don't even acknowledge it to him, verbally. There's something powerful when you do that, I'm telling you. So do that. So you uh, read the scripture from hunger, and then pray what it is that he, write it down, I would say, what he speaks to you, and pray that. Pray that. And then thirdly, a really important uh, key is uh, hear in order to obey. When I uh, first really began to experience hearing the voice of God, I was writing down uh, things that God was speaking to me on my journal. I mean, I have pages every day. It was like a download from heaven daily. I was just experiencing such amazing, what I would call revelations from the Holy Spirit and God just speaking to me. And then as time went by, I realized that I had made almost something of an idol of wanting to hear his voice. I loved hearing his voice. I loved writing it down. I loved getting more, more, more. And at some point I realized I've actually got to do what he's spoken f- to get more. And that begins to change your whole orientation. Let me just tell you, you're not seeking spiritual experience. You're not simply seeking God to give you, a, you know, a, a, a little lifter. You're seeking to hear him so you can obey him. That is what it really looks like to have faith in Jesus. That I don't trust my own path. I trust his path. In order to walk his path, I have to hear him, and once I hear him, i got to obey him. Simple recipe. Hear him in order to obey, obey him. I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, but Acts 5.32 says this, And we, the apostle said, are as witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to everyone who obeys him. That is an important spiritual principle. You want to hear the voice of God? God gives to those who are going to do with it what it's intended to be done with it. And if you're not willing to obey, then why is he going to speak to you? So hear him as you're seeking him for direction, steps, things that he's going to lead you to do with his word. And as you do it, you will get more and become more skillful in his word. Am I making sense? This is huge. So some practical tips. Last week we said set aside daily time. How many of you have a daily time set aside? Raise your, raise your hand because if the other Christians see that your hand's not raised, you're going to know that you're not really spiritual. And then secondly is have somewhere to write down what you feel, whether it's an app on your phone like me or you like to keep a journal like my wife, a physical journal. Number three was to bring your journal to community group. Can I ask you again this Wednesday, please bring that journal to community group. And a couple other things we want to say that you can put to practice this week. We already said the first: pray what you hear God saying. Write it down. Write down what you feel God's saying. We already said that in your journal, and then pray to Him about it. Talk to Him about it. It tends to mushroom when you do that. You tend to hear more. You tend to get more clarity. It's it's like it's almost like uh, it's almost like a teaser. It gives you the little still small voice. You start to to move in that direction and talk to him about it. And then it starts to open up more. And then before long, God's saying something to you of of great significance. Uh, So pray it. And then also, can I say, add this to what you do. Ask the Lord when when he speaks, is there a way that I need to obey this? Just ask him in that moment. And can I say, even just sit there. Ready to receive if he puts anything on your heart. Just make yourself available. Lord, what does this mean to me? I don't just want just head knowledge of the things that you're saying. I don't want to just have something that I can take to community group and show off how spiritual I am because this is what God said to me this week. I want to hear in order to obey. And Lord, how, write down, how can I obey? Sometimes there isn't an immediate application. Sometimes the application is he wants to change the way you believe, the way you think. That makes sense? But sometimes there is an application. Sometimes he says, I want you to call that person, and I want you to make that thing right, or I want you to, whatever the case may be. Can we pray?